0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Kazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. And it's been a very busy, busy uh, stretch of days. Um, major monopoly type of money being thrown at a couple of big players, uh, but we'll talk about that in just a second. I'm joined by my co host, John Sheeran. John, how are you?
1: Doing great. Um, Bengals are giving us lots to talk about, so it should be a fun show.
0: Yeah, and uh, so I guess we'll kick it off. Geno Atkins, um, $110 million basically in one day That was that was doled out in terms of contracts. And where I, I kind of wanted to start with is, how do you think, I mean, when you look at the numbers, uh, uh, Geno Atkins is basically paid one single season uh, by any non-quarterback uh, in his 30s, and Carlos Dunlap, on the other hand, is pay, is getting paid on $15 million a year, which puts him in the top five, number five, as defensive ends go in terms of average per year? Or is this is this kind of like a, a lifetime achievement type of thing in terms of, hey, you know, we'll pay a little bit more now because these guys have meant so much and they, they still lay in front of them? Um, or was it good value? I think it was a little
1: bit of both. Um, it's the beauty of them both getting those second contracts Uh, before their fourth years in the NFL, and that's the beauty of just them being, you know, day two picks or day three pick for Geno is that they're on four-year deals, and they can negotiate after that third year. So they obviously got their second contracts way earlier than than most, and that allowed them to get, you know, still sizable deals when Dell 29 and Geno's 30. And they both got these deals, and they both would have gotten, you know, just as larger deals on the free agent open market because they're still good. And Geno Atkins is still you know, you can put him at two, three, four, he's still top five at his position. Carlos Delano has always been, at least in the NFL ranks, respected as a strong side defensive end as both a pass rusher and a run defender. They're both, they're both still at the top of their game. Still, obviously 30 is not exactly like the prime age for NFL players anymore. It's usually more like than that 25 to 27 range. That's where William Jackson is right now. So obviously they're not at the beginning of their primes like they were when they signed their second deals. They're kind of in the midst of that, but, you know, they both are you know, just tremendous players and tremendous um, just tremendous workers and still take care of their bodies. They still train the way they should. And that's why they still produce it the way they do, even, you know, into entering the later half of their careers. So, yeah, I think it was I'm happy that Gino got his bag because he signed for so little. And the same goes for Carlos. As we've seen, those second contracts looking back are diminished so much because of, salary cap inflation, what it has done to the defensive end and defensive tackle market over the years. So I'm glad that they both are getting paid like they should based off of their worth and their talent. So I guess it is a little bit of that, like, you know, this is a reward for playing, I guess, under value. And also, you know, you're still one of the best. So this is the money that tells you that.
0: Four-year extension, Carlos Dunlap was three years. Um, all in all, 110, over 100. 100- $10 million money which, um, you know deserved in a a number of different respects and you know both of those guys have also been model of staying clean off the field no issues all that kind of stuff and um, you know it's a little bit of overpayment for these guys, there, you know, there is a sentiment that they have earned the reasons aside from, you know, just the play. They're leaders in the locker room.
1: Yeah, I think, and and, and that that eventual drop off is going to happen, whether we like it or not. Like in the coming years, and by the time that both these deals, if they play throughout them all, um, you know, they, they won't be at the same level as they are now and i think that's why they structured the deals the way they did. We don't know the exact uh guaranteed uh numbers yet, but based off the of his first two years, those last two years of that four extension are probably going to be, you know, play, you know, one year contracts essentially in the bengals. Uh, they want to if Gino hasn't it isn't obviously playing up to his worth. So they structured it. They structured it well because of how old Gino is and how old Carlos is going to be. But also, this again, this is yeah, this is the reward for their outstanding work as you know, p- people in the community and obviously production on the field.
0: If I think if they could get two years, two more productive years out of each of these guys, they should be pretty happy about contracts. Oh, for sure. Because
1: they, and again, that's that's the way they set this this up. They know that you know they're in the midst of their prime. And they're not going to be at this level for the next, you know, four or five years from now. So they have a way, they have a way out to, you know, relieve, them, relieve themselves from their cap hits. But they should expect a couple more great years from them because they're still great players. But that drop-off, you know, it kind of hits you like a stack of bricks. And uh, this is just another one of those contracts that, you know, it, it looks big on paper. You know, like A.J. Green signed a, a market value deal for the Bengals back in 2015 and his guaranteed money you know initial was wasn't as big as you know guys like julio jones at the time or demarius thomas or des bryant got at the time and they kind of set themselves up to, you know to have to have a way out just in case if they're not playing up to snuff and obviously the Bengals have a tradition of you know making sure that they pay those guys throughout the duration of their contracts kind of like it's like a loyalty bonus i guess and that didn't happen for george aloka rob for, for whatever reason but um that these deals will probably work in a similar fashion, yeah.
0: Let's backtrack just a second and talk about the uh, the Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap uh, contracts. And what I, what I wanted to ask you was about the, you know, we talked about the overall value of, of the contracts, just really the value to the team for what they signed for. You know, we talked about over $110 million uh, in, in total money given out You had said, you know, that the team needed to, uh, the details in terms of total guaranteed money and all that stuff still has yet to come out. But um, you got four years for Geno Atkins. He's 30. Uh, Carlos Dunlap's about 30 years old as well. You got three more years for him. We know that sometimes the early thirties are when players kind of fall off the cliff a little bit in terms of productivity. We've seen some good things from them this, both of them this preseason. So, Is the value there? And you know, if they get, if the team gets two, like say, two more productive years, and when I say productive, I mean on par with what we've seen from them in their careers. If they get two more productive years out of out of those guys, I think that yeah, it's a lifetime achievement contract. But I think that we can say, you know, that that's a fair deal for the Bengals too, because these have been two very good players and and good guys for the team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think two. I think going in, going into 2019, two more years after that is what we can kind of expect from these guys because for most players, for most veterans, I guess, who have lasted in the league, yeah, the early 30s is about where the drop-off is because, like we said earlier, you know, the prime age in the NFL is between, like, 25 and 27, and that's when those guys signed second deals. But these guys are just extraordinary talents. They're extraordinary athletes, and having that extra athleticism and strength along with, you know... Proper conditioning, which obviously they, they both are, they're both in great shape to this day. It'll help them last longer than the average, you know, veteran you know, normally does, and that's why their cap hits are going to be, you know, in, in the upper in the upper te- upper teens, I guess. And that's why they're getting deals that are near the market market value. So, again, they structure those deals where they can get out of it if they need to, because the the large sums of cash flows they're going to be in the first two years of those contracts, and that's when they expect that same production from them that we that we've seen from the past almost now a decade now. But you know, the last couple of years of those deals, you know, they're, they're going to have flexibility to maybe restructure them, maybe lower some hits for other extensions or worst comes to worst, get rid of them altogether. But I don't think that's going to happen because they don't normally do that. But yeah, I think that the expectation was a few more years of the same production. Then that inevitable drop off will probably hit because unfortunately father time is undefeated.
0: Yep. He always is. He always wins. He, he's beaten me down already. I know that. Um, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and he's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kazenza. We are talking about the recent contract extensions to both Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins. Big news this week for the Bengals, and uh, you know, you can kind of say tongue in cheek, the Bengals spent 110 million dollars in one day. Um, if you want to put it that way, sure, you can. You can say that, but um, kind of depends on your perspective, but. Those two guys will be in Cincinnati for the foreseeable future, which is a good thing because there are still a lot of young guys on this team and the Bengals are kind of molding a lot of those veterans with really guys from their last two draft classes. That's that's really what, uh, what this roster is going to look like, which we'll talk about later in the show as well. I wanted to ask you about this, John. Um, there's, there's always been a stigma about the Cincinnati Bengals that they are frugal, They are cheap. Mike Brown doesn't like to pay his players. Um, There are instances of that being extremely true, and there are instances of it being very overblown. And, uh, you know, we look at Jonathan Joseph, Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler, all of these guys in recent years that are high-priced free agents that they let out of the door, but they also have re-signed their core veteran guys and a lot, a lot of times like these two contracts before they hit the market. And then you see, they spend $110 million on two of their best players and you go, well, I I don't know. Is the cheap label a little unfair or is it, is it still like, Hey, show me more in outside free agency, hang on, still hang on to your best players. Maybe this is a lesson learned from the Whitworth thing, you know, even though he was older, they let him go and he was an all pro last year. So I don't know. Do you still view this as kind of a frugal franchise or did you even in the first place?
1: So these deals aren't like Tuesday wasn't cheap by any means, because even like past 110, that's a lot of guaranteed money that both of those players are going to get. So the moves aren't cheap. Obviously they weren't, you know, they they didn't ignore them which is the important thing but the Bengals retain their own and unless they don't until they don't and we've seen those obvious examples like with Rex like Gleizler like Marvin Jones deals and lack of deals I should say that kind of set the franchise back a little bit because you know their strategy is always draft develop retain yeah and when they don't retain and they don't draft well you have 13 19 and 1 in the past two seasons you have disaster so I don't think that this that these deals remove that frugality perception that they have because I still think I still believe that they are in a position or they have been in a position for the last couple years to be much more aggressive and extending this window that they have because they made you know five playoff appearances and you know they had a young core and they obviously regressed off considerably and now the core of their franchise is 29 to 31 years old so that window whether people want to believe it or not, it's, it's slowly closing. And the last couple of drafts have may have widened a little bit, but I still think that they have the financial flexibility to be much more aggressive and adding talent from around the league. And until they do that, I don't think that they are any less frugal than what they are, because even if the, these deals are expensive, obviously, we still expected these deals to happen. And when, you know, the kind of hint that they're going to get these deals done, like they did for AJ, like they did for Dalton, they can't be like viewed as like surpluses. These, these were just, expectations. And yeah, like, 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 we said, you know, when the, when they do retain their own, that's like the narrative that they try to push that they spend money, but they don't always spend enough as they should. And I think that's what kind of holds them back and what keeps that perception there.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I guess I kind of, I, I see both sides to it because you know, they, they do spend quite a bit of money, on guys that they target, that they want to keep long-term. And they're usually, as you said, guys that they've drafted and developed. But, you know, they reward a lot of these guys. Even even Adam Jones was rewarded a handful of times with the Bengals with pretty decent money. Yeah, he played pretty well for them at times. But, you know, it's, they reward on that front. And if you follow Andrew Hawkins on Twitter, former Bengals player and now with ESPN, he even had an interesting tweet a little while back talking about how the Bengals are very different, and and that they really allow their players almost always to see a contract through. In terms of you know they don't really cut guys early. Now this offseason has been a little different because they let Adam Jones go, they let Brandon LaFell go, they let George Iloka go. I mean, so they let Chris Baker go in the middle of his one-year deal. So I mean, they, they've let some of these veterans go, but. You're right on that front, and you're also right about the free agency thing because this team, even in their best years, their 2015, they're, they're, they still are. You know, you would still think that if they had that, maybe that one nice outside free agency signing, not the not the guys, the kind of you know the tier tier three, tier four guys, but maybe a tier one B or a tier two guy. That is a starter. You know he's going to start for you. You pay you pay some money for him. Even if you got one of those guys to go along with some of those supplemental guys on their rental one year deals that they've been bringing in, then you know I, I think that then the perception would definitely change. Um, they also are usually pretty pretty well under the cap. Uh, and, and uh, you know, obviously that's going to change now with the two signings and why they had to probably shed some of the s- salary from Aloka LaFell and guys like that, but, um, you know, I, I, there are still valid points in terms of the frugality, but I think, as you said, John, I think there also are, are some very valid points, and they spend money – the money that they spend pretty heavily – are usually pretty sound investments and on guys that are proven commodities, uh, at least within their own system, within their own organization. So I don't know if this totally sheds the frugal label of Mike Brown in the front office, but um, for now, uh, I think fans are pretty satisfied and it's a pretty impressive amount of money that, that they threw out to, to these two guys. Any, any other thoughts, John?
1: No, for sure. And, Again, these deals were in the works for months, yeah. and I would I, I would guess that um, if any of the releases that they had this month, it was probably the Iloka one that helped them out the most because they that freed up some cat that 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 freed up some space for that enormous first two-year cash flow for Geno. But I don't think that the Baker or or LaFell signings necessarily helped them out with that situation. And if people think that, that that's fine, but I personally don't believe that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, I think it was primarily the the Aloka thing that freed up some money for him. Um, and we last last episode we talked about the Aloka kind of surprising move of of his departure from the Bengals. So um, if you didn't catch that, check out last week's episode on that. Um, I think now, unless you you correct me if I'm wrong here, it sounds as if the Bengals kind of are looking at possible extension for Darquez uh down the pike probably Tyler Croft which shouldn't cost them that much money I don't think I don't think they'll probably wait on Tyler eifert but if he shows that he can stay healthy and remain productive they may do some sort of uh contract extension with him but those uh those are probably the next ones they want to get out of the way but we'll see um we'll see if they'll be able to do that uh and I think obviously down the road Andrew Billings William Jackson those are a couple of guys they probably want to look at as well but they need to you know they're going to be in high-profile roles this year again, and I think then they'll they'll really start reassessing those situations too. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kazenza. Thanks so much for tuning in. In case you missed last week's episode, we had some news that the podcast is now on a, a number of different platforms outside of our usual ones. So we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. All of our stuff is on CincyJungle.com and. Uh, we now are on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, um, awaiting approval still for, uh, for uh, another platform, which we'll announce uh, when that comes our way. But um, and hey, if you did happen to download either this episode or last episode on Stitcher or Google Play, hit us up and let us know how that went in terms of searching for it, findability, uh, all that good stuff. We want to know how that works. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an Apple guy myself, so I don't use those platforms uh, for the show myself or for other podcasts, other things. So, um, you know, if there's some feedback you want to give us on that, please do. Uh, and please download the show, subscribe to our channels, all that good stuff. We appreciate all the support. You can also get to us on Twitter at banglesobi V email, the OB insider at gmail.com. Appreciate it. I, we're going to move on to the Bengals, uh, performance against the Buffalo bills, which was impressive, but I guess we can kind of say we have a little sponsor for this segment, John. Um, you may or may not be noticing that I am wearing this specific Bengals hat for those of you watching live or checking out and you can see my beautiful hat hair too. Um, I was in contact with, and you can see it's a cool, cool new era hat. So this, this next little segment is going to be sponsored by new era. Alex Pitticelli at uh new era. One of their guys, who's an outreach guy, uh, talked to me and said, Hey, you know, if we, uh, if we send you a hat, can you promote the hat? And, uh, it's a new, it's a brand new hat and what the players will be wearing on the sideline. And, um, I said, hell Yeah. I will do that if you want to send me a hat. Um, so this is the 5950 and I'm not, I'm not the cool guy that keeps the gold sticker on the front. So I'm, I'm kind of lame like that if you guys like that, but uh, so I took mine off, but it's the 5950 and it is the sideline gear. And you can see, it's kind of cool. It's got the stripes on the side, on one side, a little different uh, new era logo. And then on the inside, I don't know if you can see, it says Bude on the inside, which is kind of cool. So. Uh, My thanks to Alex. My thanks to New Era Caps. Go go get this hat. It's actually, and I'm not just saying this because they sent it to me, but uh, it's a little different material than kind of the the firm fitted hat material that they usually use. A little more breathable, a little more comfortable. So um, go check it out. I'm sure it's available everywhere that you can buy New Era Caps. I recommend it. It's the fitted kind. So if you like the fitted hats, uh, it's not flex fit. So it, it's size oriented, but uh, my thanks to Alex and new era caps for uh, the nice little, nice little gift here. And, um, and the, the fact that they want to be noticed on our show, we, we uh, were flattered that they uh, know about our work and um, all that good stuff. So go check out their stuff. New era makes great hats in case you haven't bought one. Um, and I'm not just saying that cause I'm wearing it. It's, it's good stuff. So cool stuff from that, from those guys, John and, uh, We'll, we'll see if we can get one sent over your way too. I'll, I'll hit up Alex and connect you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Any have' has representatives? I'm more of a, more of a snapback kind of guy. More okay. Well, more, more of a kind of guy. So
0: okay. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll let him know for sure. Uh, so the Bengals beat the bills 26, 13, uh, in preseason week three. And this is our analysis again, brought to you by new era caps. Um, there's there's so much to talk about in this game, John, and I think obviously the biggest storyline is the performance of the starters, the guys that are kind of, you know, 1Bs, heavy rotators, guys that are going to get – we know are going to get a lot of time. They absolutely shined. So I guess my thing there, – there's a couple of questions here. Is is this fool's gold because – some people are picking the Buffalo bills to not be very good this year. And the the bills have experienced a, a bit of attrition and the Bengals just played up against plate, played well against a, a, an opponent that probably won't be very good in 28 or might not be very good in 2018. People thought they weren't going to be good last year and they made the playoffs. Um, or should we be impressed that, Hey, the most important preseason game some of the biggest names came out, played really, really well. Tyler Eifert had his first catch of the preseason, Got it, took a nice hit and uh, got right back up. John Ross, big touchdown catch. A.J. Green looked great. Tyler Boyd looked great. Andy Dalton looked great. Uh, fool's gold or actually, actually impressed, and this is maybe signs to come of a growing team in 2018?
1: I would say both. <laughs> because you you kind of you kind of sugar the 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 bills progression a little bit of attrition I would say a lot of attrition yeah. uh, they lost a lot of good names good players including Cordy Glenn It's worse than ours and that's not an understatement but it, the, the Bengals defense line is still great and I don't want to get you know be too pessimistic like they're still a good unit it was just a matchup made in heaven poor pass protection great pass rushers Josh Allen gets stagged like six times. Not, not, to mention, you know, you gone from, I guess he wasn't too liked and bubblyable guy in Tyrod Taylor, who I uh, take over a number of other starting quarterbacks in the league. Then you go to Josh Allen, who I don't know who'll ever be a good starter in the NFL, just based off just analytics and history, and also Nate Peterman, who's not too much more impressive. So the Bills, in general, that they're not an impressive team, and they're going to be fighting out of their way from the. They're going to be fighting. That I would say to above to get above five hundred. I don't think they're going to reach eight wins this year. But you know the takeaways for the Bengals' offense. Obviously, passing game looks great. Running game doesn't. And at the end of the game, I was kind of worried. You know, going forward, but then I realized that running the ball doesn't really matter because if you can pass the ball and create a bunch of explosive plays, that is that's that's today's NFL. Oh, um, ESPN. Today, uh, the great Charles McDonald at Four Verts uh, researched explosive plays extensively for his part of the preview. He found that six out of the top nine teams in the NFL in explosive plays all made the playoffs, and those nine teams all finished above five hundred. Mm-hmm. And explosive plays mainly come from the passing game. And the Bengals offense is set up to create a bunch of explosive plays from the receivers. AJ Green, John Ross, Tyler Eifert, Tyler Boyd over the middle that we saw that we saw against that game. You know, their passing offense is set up to be an explosive unit, and that's what's going to have to carry them if they can't get you know a solid rushing game going. And we've seen you know in this preseason how they've wanted to run the ball just hasn't worked against any type of run, rush defense unit. So I think they're going to have to get creative to get you know Mixon and Bernard out in space with the ball in their hands, or just spread things out. You know, create large boxes for both those guys to put less stress on the offensive line and to give more length to both those guys because. When they condense everything, they're getting no push. And when they're trying to run outside zone, it's seven, eight boxes. They're getting nowhere. They're getting more negative plays than positive plays. So I kind of rambled on a little bit, but I think oh. there's good things and bad things to go from the off- from the offense in general. But I would say good things and the important things and at least kind of work around their issues in the run game if they're not too stubborn about the way they go about it.
0: Yeah, and some good news, I think, potentially for the, run, the Bengals running backs in terms of productivity, even though the run game has looked yucky. <laughs> that's, my, that's my professional analysis, by the way, yucky. Um, even though they have not had success running the ball, and that's been pretty much everybody except for Brian Hill and Trey Carson this preseason. I mean, Mark Walton, he, that poor guy, he can't, he can't get a oh. yard to, to save his life. <laughs> And it's not, it's not really his fault. He's, he's getting hit right away. Um, Joe, Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard last week, 10 carries for 10 yards on the ground. That's just not getting it done. But as you mentioned with the passing attack, and if you can pass the ball, there's two facets to this. If you can pass the ball and create explosive plays that can propel you, even if you don't run the ball very well, well, both Mixon and Bernard are excellent pass catchers and can make things happen in the passing game. So they can be part of that arsenal to create passing plays, even if guys want to team up on Ross, team up on Green, team up on Eifert, what have you. The other thing is if the Bengals can come out early and get an early lead as they did against Buffalo, if they're able to do that via the pass, what you're going to see is, is you're going to see defenses start to back up a little bit. And you're going to see, you mentioned, open up the box a little bit. While when you're throwing the ball downfield and you're getting, I mean, Dalton Dalton had 180 yards and a quarter and a half and two touchdown passes. So when you're able to do that because of the weapons you have, and, hey, the, the run blocking hasn't been great, but the pass protection has been okay. Um, there, there's, there were some issues against Dallas, but um, overall, I think Billy Price – not doing well in run blocking, as you have said in your posts, John, but showing some decent pass blocking grades. And uh, there are some other players up front that are doing some decent things in pass protection. But I I think then once you start to push the defense back a little bit because they're on their heels for those big pass plays, then potentially it'll open some things up in the run game. And and that's going to be critical to wear down a team in general. If you get the early lead – then you open up things later on for the run game, as you know, as the game goes on. I think that's kind of a formula for success. But still, just it is a completely imbalanced offense at this point. And I, I want to ask you about this too, John, because the defense was great against the pass. Um, you know, didn't didn't let up a lot of big pass plays, and had five first half sacks, six total in the game. They still struggled against even backup running backs uh, running the football, and they still struggled covering tight ends throughout the game. Two themes of last year that are continuing to show up in preseason. Are you worried about that?
1: A little bit because I think the effect that Vontaze Berfic makes in the run defense is painfully obvious, and I'm of the opinion that linebackers aren't as important as the guys in front of them. And I think that the Bengals have a very good defensive line. I think in base, they have bodies. Unit comes in, and you have Glasgow relieving, like, Gino, and what was it, like, Josh Topo relieving, like, Andrew Billings later in the game. And then you still have Nick Vigil and Jordan Evans, who are athletic guys, but they aren't really aggressive when taking on blocks and going into their fits. And then you have, you know, second-level holes just wide open for, I think it was, like, Marcus Murphy who was, was like Bill's best running back this preseason. He had, he had a decent game. So there's just a lot of those factors that, you know, without Burfecht, still the differences in terms of teams running the ball is night and day. And once he comes back, things will kick up like they always do. It's just a matter of how long he is back. But those issues are still, still kind of persistent. And, again, it's similar to the offense. Like as long as you can rush the passer and defend the pass, your issues in run defense aren't going to be as bad, but they're still going to lead to some warts like we saw against Buffalo. And those are just issues to watch because you're you're looking for, you know, progress from Vigil and Evans as run defenders, taking on blocks, going downhill. And until they make that progress, then the effect in the linebacker room without Burfick is going to continue to show.
0: Yeah, so the Bengals beat the Bills 26-13. They had a, uh, essentially, I believe it was a 20 or 23 nothing lead into the second half. So pretty impressive showing in general. Again, we're kind of talking about if this is fool's fool's gold or not. Um, Anyone that maybe flew under the radar, but you looked at when you reviewed tape that uh, maybe impressed you with their performance that you didn't expect would, or um, someone that, you know, obviously, like we said, Billings, Geno Atkins, Carl Lawson, that we we know some of these guys, you know, really jumped off the stat sheet. But anyone that you saw that maybe went a little unnoticed but still had a really good game for the team?
1: So on offense, I think Trey Hopkins has continued to show why he's likely to push TJ Johnson off roster. I think he's done better as the backup center than he has starting at right guard. And I think that's going to be playing moving forward. Um, I don't want to I guess I'll mention this now, but I I would like to see an offensive line iteration with Hopkins at center and Billy Price at right guard. I know that would upset a lot of people, but I think it would be interesting to see at least because of the work that Hopkins has put in at center. And on defense, um, I actually found out that Trayvon Henderson at safety played double the snaps that Josh Shaw did. And Shaw was listed as the second free safety behind Jesse Bates in the depth chart last week and ended up, you know, not like I think only, I think Clayton Fedgum only played one snap. They they went out of their way to get Henderson onto the field and he did all right. He wasn't really challenged in coverage, but he didn't really make any mistakes. And for a, an undrafted rookie safety, I think that's kind of all he, you can ask for. And I think that performance is going to propel him to even more playing time uh, tomorrow against Indianapolis. And he might have, maybe he might be the undrafted free agent to make the roster because there usually is always one. So his, his performance and production on the stat sheet kind of stood out to me.
0: Okay. Good stuff. As I said, the Bengals defeat the Bills in the uh, the dress rehearsal, 26-13. to 13. So, you know, it's been a little bit of an emotional roller coaster this preseason in terms of how we feel about the team. You know, they, they came out pretty strong against the Bears, got the win there, uh, did get the win against Dallas and did not, especially the starters, did not play well. Uh, in that game, and now you know we wanted to see a nice rebound, and that's what they did this week. And uh, for the most part, they they dominated that game, and uh, a lot of the early guys looked pretty good. So um, they're three zero this preseason, and uh, you know sometimes impressive, sometimes showing a lot of things to work on. But um, as of now, this this team is kind of showing a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. Type of nature, and and we may unfortunately, for better or for worse, uh, need to expect that in 2018. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. You know, this is also a younger team in some aspects. So, you know, maybe as they get more games under their belt, some of these things will be cleaned up. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. You can get this program on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, cincyjungle.com, Stitcher and the Google Play app, so uh, check us out there. You can get in touch with the program on Twitter at BanglesOBI, and theobinsider at gmail.com is our email address. We'll be uh, taking a look at those feeds for uh, some questions. You can also leave questions in our live YouTube chat and the Cincy Jungle comment thread that we have going. Um, we'll also be opening up our our OBI line. Uh, we, we got to have like a pretty cool name for it. I don't know if I like OBI line, but uh, uh, we'll be opening that up in just a little bit for calls and or texts. So uh, hit us up there if you haven't gotten your question in those other platforms there. John, let's move on to the preseason finale. The, the bang in a really, really weird type of scheduling. I don't even know if there's a mishap or whatever you want to call it, but The Bengals, as they always do, play the Colts in week four because they're so close in proximity and the travel time is just not – they switch off every year where they play. Um, This year they host the Colts, and then a little over a week later they go to Indianapolis and play the Colts for the the week one opener, which is just – it's just bizarre to me. But that's how it is. I tend to think that – both teams will not be showing much in terms of their game plans uh, for for teams to study uh, this week I what, what do you expect I mean I, do you expect any Bengal starters to really play this week i I mean I think maybe the right side of the offensive line maybe Billy price but I, I don't do you expect many other starters to really get time and and I would think very little right especially with how they played last week
1: yeah. Um, traditionally, they don't play, and I think <laughs> I think the, the players are going to be kind of sick of seeing Colts film because they're going to have to watch it for like about two weeks or so. Um, but no, I think that a lot. Obviously, maybe like Jesse Bates may play a series just because he's the new starter, and they might want to give him a little more exposure. Billy Price may may see a series as well because he's, he's the rookie starter for obvious reasons. But no, I think that either a they're going to run like three or four plays in total on offense to not give them anything to study or B they're going to throw in a lot of decoys and a lot of just like gadget trick plays, like throw them off. And it could be both honestly, but I think we're going to see one of the more boring, uneventful, unmemorable preseason games of our lifetime, just because of the circumstances that again, I don't know what the, I don't know what the schedule office was thinking when they were doing this. I, I, I can't imagine that this was done on purpose, to be, to be quite honest, but yeah. this is the NFL, and they do some questionable things.
0: Yeah, you know, every once in a while you kind of plug stuff into a computer, and, uh, you know, you don't get the, the, the expected results, I guess, between the variables you give it. Heck, I mean, my computer and Google Hangouts was giving us a little bit of a fritz here um, earlier in the show. So um, you never know what to expect. But, yeah, it, it may or may not have been expected. We'll see. That that's another story for another time, but I, I guess because of the lack of starters playing this week, and, and let me let me just ask you a little side note on your opinion. And I know we're not Colts guys, we're not Colts insiders, but do you think Andrew Luck's going to play this week because he's got a lot of rust, and you know he needs to be as sharp as possible for Week One? But God forbid he gets hurt again. You know, you know he likes to run around and take on contact. So are you expecting to see him even for a series or two, just kind of as, as a side note?
1: I would, if he played for the Browns, but <laughs> not, 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 not as an Indianapolis Colt. I don't, I don't think we're going to see him. I think we're a little bit
0: smarter than that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, <laughs> the point, um, who are some of the players and some of the position groups we should be watching because yeah, you can sit here. I, I, You know, you don't want to call the game boring, but I, I think that there are some position groups in terms of how the Bengals are going to round out the roster that needs to – that need to be watched and need to be watched closely. Uh, who are some of the, the players and position groups that you're going to be looking most closely at?
1: On offense, who, who's going to separate themselves between Trey Carson and Brian Hill? Because they've been neck and neck throughout the throughout the preseason so far. I guess Carson is slightly ahead because I'm not sure he has any more practice squad eligibility while Brian Hill does. So they may hide Hill for this game just to stash him on there. They may not to, to give him another chance to get onto their team. But, you know, how those guys compete, you know, throughout the game because they're probably going to get the majority of reps. Um, Trayvon Henderson, again, um, is he going to get snaps ahead of like Josh Shaw and Clayton Fedgelman again? You know, are, are they pushing him? to be that fifth safety that potentially you know, takes out Brandon Wilson or, or, or a guy like Shaw. Uh, Tony McGray, I guess, he, he was a surprise performer that I guess I mm-hmm. kind of forgot to mention in that, seg- in that segment, but he just came back from injury. He had a good performance in Buffalo. Yeah, I want did. to see him play more because he, did, he he still has a case to make because they're probably going to keep 10 defensive backs, but we don't know if that's going to be five corners or six corners or five safeties or four safeties or whatever. But those those are the guys that I'm going to be watching the most closely because they've had – good camps and I think that they're all still obviously have good cases to make, to make the roster.
0: Yeah. uh, To me, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to be watching the player or players that you hope never get into a regular season game. And that's a backup quarterback. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think those guys, I, I, Jeff Driscoll and Matt Barkley. I mean, I guess you could say Driscoll's played a little bit better than Barkley, but I, I did some research on their, Preseason stats, it's not, you know, I think Driscoll has an 89 rating. Uh, Barkley has a 71, so there's a little bit of of a gap there. But both guys, one passing touchdown, one interception. Um, More yards by Driscoll, but more attempts by him. So, uh, you know, uh, this is probably the game that's going to decide who gets that backup spot. Part of – I know a lot of fans want to see Driscoll just because he's – more a bit more athletic and mobile, and he can make he can extend plays a bit. But I I, I just wonder if the coaching staff is going to look for, especially with, you know the the weapons they have at the skill positions, if they want someone with a little more veteran experience. And um, I don't know I don't know exactly what how that's going to play out there. I think I think Logan Woodside is you know a year or two away from possibly competing for a a backup spot. So he's probably going to be practice squad material, but he should get some extensive time. So I'll probably be watching that. And, um, you know, Fisher and Abwehi, you know, are are they going to play, are they going to play well and show that, yes, they'll be capable backups, but uh, you know, what's going on with Fisher? Is he ever going to be a starter? Um, Can he get in there and start for the Bengals at some point? Should they need him? And, I don't know. Those are kind of some of the spots. I guess I'm going a little obvious because those are some of the bigger names of the backups, if you will. But you know, those are guys that are going to round out the round out the roster, the back the back parts of rosters. And um, I don't know. Uh, that that's that's probably kind of where all where I'll be looking along with what with what John said. Um, you know, like like we said, this isn't going to be the most exciting game. Probably going to be uh, a bit sloppy. Um, I'm looking at the YouTube chat. T Martin says, will Logan play at all? Um, I, I talked about that. Uh, Rob Vollett will core play. He's been injured. So I don't know. Um,
1: I think Marvin said he doesn't expect him to play.
0: Yeah. So, uh, who knows what's going to happen with him now? Um, and then you have Alden yeah. Tate, you know, really kind of falling off the map a little bit these past two preseason games. Um, so I, I, I don't know exactly how that's going to round out there. Uh, Christian McCoy says, I'm watching Sam Hubbard and Jesse Bates. Yeah, I don't expect either of those guys to really get a ton of time, but um, they'll probably get some. Uh, and uh, <laughs> everyone said, T. Martin, man, Barkley scares me. Uh, oh, you know, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are that's kind of some of the sentiments of the fans and our live listeners this week, and um, – Preseason week and four, I, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, and I have no doubt that obviously Driscoll is the fan favorite because not only has he produced more, but he's just more fun to watch because he can escape pockets and make throws on the run. And honestly, like he might be better throwing on the run than he is in the pocket. So yeah. you know, back backup quarterbacks are always are always you know the, the fans just want some a guy to root for. And like I guess I guess he's just been more appeasing and likable through his play and his playing style than Barkley has. And but regardless, you know, do we really want to see them play? No, but you know, just goes, I guess, the funner guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, he plays a little more backyard style football, runs around and uh tosses it up, but um, he made a couple of nice throws last week that I saw. Barkley made a, a handful of nice throws across the middle of the field as well. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty tight race, it's a pretty tight race, and uh, you know, may the may the best guy win there, and uh, hopefully they don't have to play because Dalton is playing so well and staying healthy that uh and the Bengals are winning games, That uh, that's not even an issue, but more just a guy to have on the roster in an emergency situation. We're going to get to listener questions here in just a few minutes. Uh, what And and you can reach us via call or text at 949-542. Uh, what's our number again? 542-6241. 949-542-6241. We'll get to the, those in just a few minutes. But before we do, a quick little segment here, John. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, who do you think is it? Uh, give me one surprise roster make. Because final rosters will be set over Labor Day weekend here. One guy who makes the roster that surprises you and or surprises fans. And one guy who doesn't make it that will surprise you.
1: Hmm. I I want to say Hewitt doesn't, and I've been so back and forth with him and Stephen Carter because we've seen more of Carter than we have of Hewitt, and then we have reports that we we were supposed to see more of Hewitt, but he got cramps or something like that. We don't know if that's coach speak or whatever. But I, for the third time, I'll, I'll mention Henderson's name just because there's always going to be an undrafted. Like Marvin Lewis always has an undrafted guy to make the roster an undrafted rookie, I should say, make the roster. And he has had a bit more increased playing time. So I'm going to say he does make the roster over either Josh Shaw or Brandon Wilson. I'm going to say he makes over Josh Shaw. Um, another potential guy, maybe Brandon Bell. How many linebackers are yeah. going to keep? He's played more, slightly more than Hardy Nickerson, who I think is still going to make the team. But we don't know if Vincent Ray is healthy or not. And Hell Vincent Ray could could get cut and I think that's something that not, not a lot of people were talking about because he hasn't played like at all this preseason because of because of injury and we don't know if that's gonna linger over if they just wanna just roll the bell or not. So I guess Ray would be my shot in the dark cut just because I'm too back and forth with Hewitt right now and I don't know what to think about that situation. And Henderson would be my surprise make.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah. Interesting, interesting situation at linebacker because Ray's been out of the lineup. Do they, I mean, if it's, if it's a really bad thing, do they IR him with designation to return Um, and and that way they free up the spot and then there's a a spot freed up for the first month with, with Vontaze perfect being out of the lineup. So, um, you know, that's kind of a a little bit of a scrum there as well. So good, uh, good stuff from you, John. I, I don't know if I really, you know, it depends on your definition of surprise. Maybe a guy who doesn't make it um, is, is out and take, you know, maybe that maybe the team just wants Cody core and um, they'll ride with his injury and and go that route. Uh, and Adam Tate, like I said, had a had a great camp, had great spring, summer, and first preseason game, but hasn't done anything the last two games and has, uh, you know, actually he, he kind of caused an interception last week. So, um, you know, maybe that's a guy. Uh, surprise, a surprise guy, you know, I thought Josh Tupo last, last week played pretty well. Um, Andrew Brown, their fifth-round pick, has been hurt. So maybe maybe they go with uh Tupo, the big guy who can who's who's kind of known as a run stuffer because he's such that huge, huge guy. Um maybe they go with him even with an off season issue that he had. Um we'll see. So maybe maybe those are a couple surprises. But there's always there always tends to be a couple surprises, and there always tends to be John, some knee-jerk reactionist as to, oh no, they let go of this guy. We can't practice squad him. He's been he's too good and Lo and behold, the Bengals usually keep almost everybody that they want on their practice squad, Jake Elliott excluded. Um, but, uh, you know, usually they're able to initially sneak some of those guys onto the practice squad that they want. Um, so I, I think the lesson there is maybe not to freak out so much uh, right away. All right, well, <laughs> those were surprise cuts or surprise makes by by us here uh, for the Bengals as they round out their final roster. And obviously next week we will be talking about the uh, final roster as we go forward here. Um, let's get to some listener questions and God help us. Um, if, if this, if we have more <laughs> issues here, Holy crap. Uh, all right. So we're going to start with, and like I said, you can call or text us 949 uh, 542 Six two four one, and we missed somebody here, and I apologize. Uh, so you can try and call back. Uh, we were trying to get John back here when when that call came through. I apologize, but um, you can give us a call again. Uh, 949-542-6241. or you can text too. That's cool. Um, if that's if that's easier for you. Um, so. John, let's let's review some of these YouTube questions. We actually had a bunch earlier, um, and uh, I, I, it's going to be hard to kind of discern where we're at. Um, let's see from Mister Sinister. Would you guys say after what you've seen in the preseason that the Bengals must look for offensive line help during cut day across the league, or roll with what they have, John,
1: Mister Sinister? Thanks for thanks for tuning in. You donated to the Puppet Fund at, at on DH Sports and Daddy's Channel. Thank you personally from me. Um, yeah, I think they will at least scour some waiver cuts on on Saturday just because. You know, they may come off as confident that that group is finalized but based off what we've seen that's probably not the true sentiment and I do think that there the, there always is some surprise cuts around the league and the offensive the quality of offensive line play around the league is not very high right now so we could see some some at at one point promising names you know maybe maybe get cut in the final year or two of the rookie deals and all sometimes all it takes is a change of scenery so whether that's a guard like Earl Watford who just got released from Chicago, or maybe maybe another tackle if they let go of like one of a boy here Fisher, you know that that's definitely something that we should not expect, but we shouldn't be surprised if it happens.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it depends on who's available because I looked a little while ago. I looked at available, you know, right tackles and whatnot. Um and the pickings were slim in terms of availability then. Um, because most have been picked up during the free agency period. But you never know. I mean, the Bengals let go of Georgia Loca kind of middle of the preseason, and there are other guys that are, you know, mid level, pretty pretty decent players that are maybe making a little more money than they should that could come in and maybe be a better scheme fit with the Bengals. You never know. Uh I I think the Bengals probably view what they have as a long game. You know, they look at it as, you know, they're they're guys here. We have a new coach. Let's see what he could get out of what we have. Um, But I also think that there are, as we mentioned and you said earlier, John, um, there are – the window is closing a bit for this team. You know, guys that were once – you know, the class of 2010, 2011 that were so young and, and, you know, kept this team in those five straight consecutive playoff appearances, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're all approaching 30. Um, and, you know, there's just uh, – Marvin Lewis is only on a two-year contract. We know that, you know, we know that he seems to have a never-ending type of contract in, in Cincinnati, but the, the, the window, yeah, exactly. The window, the window <laughs> yeah. is, 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 is kind of closing a bit. So, you know, the urgency level could be there in terms of, Hey, let's make a move. We've seen them. We talked about it on the program before we've seen them do stuff at the end of free agency, what be it through trades or pickup guys. Brandon Tate was a late addition who stuck with the club for a handful of years. Reggie Nelson was a a trade they made at the, at the end of uh, preseason he was a great player for the for the Bengals so um Kelly Jennings other guys were added during the summer so uh, don't be surprised if if there's an addition but I just don't know uh it, it totally depends on who is going to be out there and what the fit may be for the Bengals and uh who knows maybe even if there's an injury god forbid uh in this next game coming up but uh Good stuff, and I'm glad to hear that uh, Mr. Sinister also uh, donated to the fund for the other program that you are on. That's that's good stuff. I love hearing generosity like that. Um, hearing a lot, I mean, there's probably three three different people at least in the live YouTube chat. Um, does does Denar get signed now that um, you know the Bengals doled out a bunch of money to Atkins and? Um, Atkins and Dunlap there so I we talked about it a little bit but do you think they get something done pretty soon with him or or at all because he is now in that uh that final year here of his deal and you know they've got the, the money tied up a bit into Drake or Patrick they've got William Jackson in the fold for a handful of years and Denard is kind of their slot guy plays outside occasionally but um you know I guess it's a turn it's a matter of value and all of that. But uh, do you think they get a deal done with him and extension done?
1: I wish I could say yes or no with any confidence because we just have not heard anything about this. And I'm sure that they have been working on it because I think it's way more likely that they get a deal done now than if they get a deal done, you know, like after free agency opens, because I do think with his prospects being 26, 27 years old, hopefully coming off two very solid years at nickel cornerback which is a position that's obviously rising in value in the modern NFL defense. I think that I'm going to say he doesn't just because just because it's a guess to be honest with you, but I think if we were to see an extension it would be Tyler Croft because I think that there's more that there is more uncertainty at the tight end position with Eifert and Uzoma um also entering free agent deals and they might just want to have one of those guys under contract beyond this year, but for Dennard, I'm going to say no, but I, I, again, I really no confidence in that answer because I, I just have no idea.
0: Yeah. It's, it's hard to say because the Bengals love cornerbacks and they love, they love drafting them high and they love paying them quite a bit of money. Uh, they paid Drake Patrick quite a bit of money. They paid Adam Jones uh, quite a bit of money over a handful of years that he was with the club on a number of different contracts and with issues, not not the same type of issues that he had when he was with Tennessee and Dallas and stuff. But there were definitely some off-field stuff, and they still paid him some money. They'll probably, you know, if, if William Jackson ends up living to this off-season hype that he's been receiving this this summer here, Um, They'll probably be paying him quite a bit of money. So is it like, you know, Denard, who's been – who was a disappointment at the beginning of his career but has kind of stepped up his play of late, Um, you know – I think they want to keep them, but the price has to be right. And if the Bengals again end up picking, you know, in in that first round in the teens or twenties, um, you know, that might just be a more affordable option for another cornerback that they look at. But obviously with offensive lines, still seeming to be a glaring issue. Um, you know, that, that's a pretty, pretty big decision to make there. So um, I, I, I'd, I'd like to think they get it done. Um because I, I think they want, they've want they made it a, a summer priority, but um, we'll see. So if you want to get in touch with us on the line, do so. There was a – and I wanted to get to this very broad-scoped question, but it seems to be from a new listener, at least one that I do not recognize. And uh, it does kind of tie into the, the performance we talked about by the Bengals against the Bills – Amanda Bramble in the live YouTube chat says, "Do you think we are going to make it to the playoffs this year? Um, we talked about the Jekyll and Hyde nature. We talked about all of that. I think more stuff needs to be sorted out um, with the final roster and all that kind of stuff. But um, just your your general inclination, John. Now, you know, we 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 we, when we did the schedule release and all that kind of stuff. We we like to do that win by win. You know, oh win, loss, win, loss." I think most people kind of had them in the 8-10 to win range, they thought, uh, especially after the draft and free agency. Now we've seen them play a bit. Uh, We've seen them probably play a little bit better overall than maybe we thought at times, um, but also have some familiar issues and expected issues. So just as we sit here now, um, right before the regular season, what do you think?
1: I think that the AFC North is as wide open as it's ever been because I think the Steelers are – are in line for some form of regression. Um, the Bengals always compete with the Ravens, and the Browns are, you know, who knows what they're going to do. I understand the arguments for 6-10 and 10, up through 10-6 and six, completely evenly, and that's why my thoughts are, and my predictions kind of lie with the 8-8 eight and eight range, and obviously, even in a weak AFC, that's not enough to make the playoffs. I just think that this team has a lot going for them right now, like what we talked about with the, the ability to be Explosive on offense and to shut down passing games on defense, but I also think that if they were to win, you know, nine to eleven games, everything would have to go right. You know, key players would have to stay healthy. Guys who haven't stayed healthy in the past, I'm talking Cordy Glenn, iford and Ross. I think if those guys play at least twelve games each, then 10, 11 wins is very much possible. And along with that, the schedule that is it's a third place schedule and there's only like a few games where I have minimal confidence that they can actually win. Most of the games on the schedule are winnable. So with all that saying, I'm going to say no because I'm a natural pessimist, I guess, but I do think that they're going to be better than, than last year. And I do think that the division and the conference is wide open. So I'm definitely not ruling it out. I'm just looking at, the, the probability of everything clicking and everything going right, it's it's obviously very slim for any team in the NFL. And I just think that they're just not in a position yet to survive bumps that could very well happen down the road.
0: Yeah, I think that it's probably going to be, and I'm going to be a little short because we do have a call on the line. Um, it's going to be, uh, it, to me, I think they'll have enough wins to be in the dance or or in the conversation. I just think they'll need help. And I, and I think you mentioned the the conference will be, is more open. You know, there's a change at quarterback for the chiefs that could go amazing for them, or it could go, you know, terrible. The chargers probably seem to be pretty, pretty strong, but they just keep losing guys in the preseason to major injuries all the time. Um, You know, the Raiders were good a couple of years ago. They weren't good last year. Um, You know, the Patriots are the Patriots, but uh, you know, we said father times undefeated. It just, he, he's really taking his time with Tom Brady. So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to dissect there, but pretty open, pretty open conference. Um, I think that they're going to need some help. Uh, I, I do think they'll probably still be in that eight to 10 win range, but probably need some help. Um, but there's probably going to be some amazing weeks. And some very, very frustrating weeks yep. uh, from this team ahead. And I, I think that's that's probably something that's gonna be expected. So we do have a caller on the line. It is uh, loyal to the to a fault, who I think that is the the screen name or your, your your username on cincyjungle.com. I see you comment on a lot of our a lot of our articles and uh, appreciate you you tuning in. Um, what was your question? Marvin Lewis' response to the question uh, regarding Westerman that they gave in the press conference uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago—he was basically asked why is Westerman uh, not getting a shot on the right side. His answer was, "The sides are synonymous." I don't know how that answers the question. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that—that—that answers. Right. And I just wonder what you guys are. Yeah. And if, it, I mean, loyal to a fault means I'm, I'm getting the impression that you have been a Bengals fan for a long time. And if you've been a Bengals fan for a long time, you will have known or seen a lot of interesting Marvin Lewis pressers where he's either Mr. Giggles about stuff or he's scowl and two word answers about stuff. So, um, I appreciate the call. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening on the uh, or thanks for reading all our material at Cincy Jungle as well, loyal and we'll we'll take your uh, question off off the air here. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, thanks, buddy. Um, yeah. So you were able to hear him, right, John? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you know, to me, there I think there's some mental aspects of Christian Westerman's game that he may not be grasping um, in terms of alignments and calls and all that kind of stuff. And our own Josh Kirkendall, since he jungle wrote a nice piece up on that as well, but your thoughts on, on Westerman, everybody is clamoring for him to take the right guard job. And for some reason he's getting no time there in preseason and he's backing up at left guard. Yes.
1: Yeah, this is, was- all, all Marvin had to do is just throw in a giggle and it's just like the most classic Marvin Lewis talent <laughs> of all time. Um, I'm I'm young. I don't have a lot of experience with NFL coach speak and stuff like that, but I've come to learn that coaches some coaches love being right more than doing the right thing. And I think that with the way that they've handled the Westerman situation, they've made him a backup and I, the tape doesn't lie. He looks really impressive on that second team offensive line. He hasn't had a bad week yet. He obviously left the game early last week, but he still has looked really good. And we've seen, you know, the right guard spot not look very good, but they kind of made their bed with their stance on Westerman. And I can't help but feeling this is just them sticking to their guns and just wanting to be right, and just and promoting some type of narrative with Westerman to try to appease people who are questionable about the whole situation. I'm personally not buying it because I have my own eyeballs and all of you guys do too. And you've seen the way that Westerman's played and you don't have to know the play call. You don't have to know the assignments to know that if a guy can play, he can play even on the offensive line and he can, and he has value on the roster. So I just think this is more of a case of them wanting to be right than them just owning up to something that they were initially wrong at.
0: Yeah. And in a, in a, in an off season that has seemed to buck some trends, uh, in terms of Marvin Lewis and the organization, getting rid of some of these, uh, valued veterans, LaFell, Loka, all those, you know, guys like that, um, spending quite a bit of money on extensions. Yes. That's been, they've done that before, but not to that level in terms of money. Um, there are some things that seem to be different. The coaching staff turnover, all of that. This is this is vintage Marvin. This is vintage Marvin. And if you remember, you, you said you're a bit younger. You may or may not remember this, John. But when Carlos Dunlap, the guy who just received a $45 million contract, when he was a rookie in 2010, he did not play much at all the first half of the season because he there were rumblings of not practicing the right way and he needs to get with the program and all that kind of stuff. Lo and behold the Bengals have a pretty terrible season so they start playing them more to see what they have out of the young guys when the season's already out of control and the guy has almost double digit sacks sure, in his record. Yeah, it, well yeah, he ended up yeah, he ended up doing it. But um, in that in that season though, I'm saying he he played maybe half a season and he and he had almost double-digit sacks that year, and you sit here and you go, okay, well, yes, I I get the old school coach mentality of practice the right way and show the right attitude and all of that kind of stuff, but that stuff doesn't necessarily translate all the time to the pros in terms of sending a message or, um, I mean, these are guys making a lot of money, and this isn't, these aren't guys on scholarship and, you know, oh, coach is going to pull my scholarship if I don't you know, work out the right way and all that kind of stuff. That's not, yes, there are suspensions for con- of conduct detrimental to the team. And yes, you could be cut and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, just to send a message and as a possible detriment to your team at a position that you desperately need some help at, I, I don't know. Um, but I also look at it from the standpoint of, well, This was a guy who was largely viewed as a second or third round talent a couple years ago when he came out of the draft in terms of draft analysts fell all the way to the fifth round. So maybe there's something there that they just don't want to publicly say um, whether it's study habits, uh, whatever um, that they don't like the teams don't didn't like in the pre-draft process. And that's why he fell further than expected. Um, But Again, this is something that's detrimental to the team, and uh, well, potentially detrimental. And we also know Marvin Lewis doesn't like Pro Football Focus. He's publicly said that before. <laughs> um, I believe he called it a dumbass website at, at some point. Um, Frank Pollock kind of said the same thing about some of his guys' performance this preseason. Granted, that's not to me. That's not you know scripture in terms of what you what you expect from player performance, but it is a nice barometer. It is, it is a valuable barometer to use. The Bengals don't seem to use that. So um, I don't know. I You know, I don't know. Maybe it's going – is it going to take poor run blocking and Dalton getting planted on his butt from the right side in order for them to potentially say, okay, Westerman, gosh, please. Um, I don't know. I hope not. But to me, he seems to be a better fit at guard than the other two, right? Yeah, No doubt. Yeah, so uh, loyal. We don't have an answer for you. If we can get Marvin on the program, we'll try, and uh, <laughs> maybe he can answer that one for you. We'll see. And also, uh, Mixon uh, texted us, kind of asking the same the same question: Why why is Christian Westerman in the doghouse? He, he sent us a text on the OBI line uh, asking the same question. So appreciate that, guys. Let's get out of here, John. We've uh, we've run long a little bit. We've been expanding. As I mentioned, this program is on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, uh, cincyjungle.com, now on Stitcher and the Google Play app. And you can get in touch with us via Twitter, the OB Insider, excuse me, at BanglesOBI and via email, Insider at gmail.com. John, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, any future question about translating a Marvin Lewis quote, we know as much as you guys, all right?
0: yeah might as well be like in hieroglyphics right (laughs) crow crow cat sphinx. you know i mean it's some of it's just like oh my gosh what what are you talking about and uh whatever i mean he's he's a he's an nfl head coach we're not so uh i don't know i don't know but uh final thought for me is uh can't wait for week one i think that should be a, a a pretty entertaining game from a number of different standpoints. And uh, next week, we will have someone from SB Nation Stampede Blue, the Colts website, there. They'll be coming on our program. Uh, probably for the live listeners, they'll be coming on about 9 Eastern uh, to talk about uh, the upcoming game. We were going to do that this week, but I mean, two weeks in a row doesn't make sense. So let's do it from the regular season opener. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the patience tonight, folks. And uh, get the program how you can. Subscribe to our channels. We'll see you next week. Thanks for the calls, texts, uh, the questions in the YouTube chat. Appreciate it. Uh, This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We'll see you next episode. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to Vanta.com slash Vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets.